If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 117. Psalm 117. You'd be maybe happy to know in this heat, this morning we're going to be looking at the shortest chapter in all the Bible. There are 1,189 chapters in the Scriptures. What is the longest chapter in the Bible? Anybody know? Psalm 119. What's the shortest? Psalm 117. Open your Bibles to Psalm 117. It's two verses, but even in this tiny psalm, it has great implications for each one of us. So let's listen now to Psalm 117. Two verses. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This morning, this is going to be a shorter message because it's a shorter passage and we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. John Knox, the famous reformer in Scotland, used to say, uh, if you take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, at least if the sermon is bad, you'll get to hear the gospel proclaimed, right? And so hopefully this morning that as we look through Psalm 117, I'm going to ask a few questions to help us fix our minds on what's here and prepare our hearts for uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. So I just have four questions I'm going to ask and answer from this passage. Number one, what's the main idea of this psalm? Anytime you read the Bible and you're reading a passage, you should ask, what's the main idea? What's the main truth in this text? It's very clear. Look at the commands in Psalm 117. Psalm 117 is a worldwide summons to praise the Lord. So you don't have to know Hebrew to see this. Look at it again. Verse 1, praise the Lord. Extol Him. Your Bible may say, laud Him. Your Bible may say, glorify Him. And then look at the last, the last phrase in the psalm. What's the last phrase in, psalm, in verse 2? Praise the Lord. You see that? Now, you don't have to know Hebrew to know that word. What is that word in Hebrew? It's the word hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've ever traveled around the world, um, if you've been to other parts of the world where other worship services are in other languages besides English, you'll find something amazing. Even if you don't know the language, especially if they're preaching from the Psalms, you'll recognize one word, and that's the word hallelujah. It's the same in every language. And it's the word that means praise the Lord. It's a, it's a, a command. It's a plural command. It, it says, all y'all praise the Lord. That's what the word hallelujah means. And that's how this psalm begins. And that's how this psalm ends. If you look in your Bible, in Psalms 111 all the way to Psalm 118, these are psalms that are called the Hallel Psalms because they're all about praising the Lord. These psalms were often read and sung by faithful Jews every single Passover because these psalms celebrate when God rescued his people from Egypt and led them out. And what was the first thing they did after they left Egypt? 
Exodus 15, Moses led the people in the song of Moses, this song of praise to the Lord for his deliverance. But this isn't just a song of praise for Israel. Did you notice? This is a summons for the whole world to praise the Lord. Do you see that in verses 1? All nations, all peoples are called to praise the Lord. So that's what this psalm is about. It's a summons to all the whole world to give praise and adoration to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's number one. Number two, why? Why should the whole world, including you, praise the Lord? What reason does the psalmist give? Well, he gives a twofold reason in verse two. Look at it. So don't look at me. Look at your Bibles. Verse two, you know he's giving you a reason because of what word? Four. He's giving you an indication. Here's the reason why the whole world should praise the Lord. Four, and it's got two parts. First reason, great is his steadfast love toward us. So the first reason is this. You should praise the Lord because his love is great. Another way to put it is his love prevails. His love prevails. What do I mean by that? When we use the word great, we don't mean great. Um, when we say great in English, we, we'll, we, how was your dinner? It was great. Uh, how was that book you just read? It was, it was great. Um, how are you feeling? I feel great. Um, when we say great, what we often mean is considerably better than average. That's what great means when we use the word. In fact, that's the first definition in the dictionary right now if you go look at it. Considerably better than average. But that's not what great means in Psalm 117. When the psalmist says that God's steadfast love is great, he's using a verb that's rendered in other places as to prevail, to be strong, to be powerful, to be mighty. So let me just give you the picture of this. In Genesis 7, when the flood in Noah's day, the waters covered the land, we're told that the waters prevailed greatly on the land. So this word is used to describe the flood. This word is used to describe the Lord in Isaiah 42, 13. Listen to how it describes the Lord. The Lord goes out like a mighty man. There's the word. Like a man of war, he stirs up his zeal. He shouts aloud and he shows himself mighty against his foes. That's the word for great here. Last one. Listen to this one. Psalm 65.3. Psalm 65.3. You want to look this up and meditate on it later. When iniquities prevailed, there's that word, when the iniquities prevailed against me, you, Lord, atoned for our transgressions. So what the psalmist is getting at here is this. We are great sinners, but our God is a great God. His steadfast love is greater than any and all of our sins. He loves us with a strong and mighty and prevailing love. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great 
is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. That's number, that's number what number is that? Two? All right, two. So he, the first reason to praise him, right, is his love is prevailing. It's great. So you should praise him. The second reason is there in the second half of verse two. For the stead, the stead, or sorry, for the faithfulness, or the your Bible may say the truth, the truth of the Lord endures forever. So the second reason the whole world should praise the Lord is that He's truthful, that His truth, His faithfulness endures. The word truthful or faithful is interchangeable in your Bible when you see this word. The idea is that God makes promises and He always always keeps them. You also say this word a lot and you probably don't even realize it. When someone prays a prayer, what's the last, when you agree with that prayer, what do you pray at the end? Now, it depends on where you're from. Some of you say amen and the other people who are correct say amen. But either way, you say amen or amen. Kids, what does that mean? Is that just what you say at the end of a prayer? What you're saying is when you say amen, you're saying so be it. You're saying that is true. I agree with that is the truth. What just got prayed. And that word amen, it's, it's, it's from this word here for truth. What you're saying is let that be true. That, that is true what you just prayed. And so this is what the psalmist is getting at. That the Lord's truth, his faithfulness, his truthfulness never ceases. He's truthful today, he's truthful tomorrow, and he will be truthful forever. Whatever he says, you can count on that with your life. All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why through Christ we utter our amen to God for his glory. Number three, number three, how is the Lord's love and truth revealed in the gospel. We're, we're approaching the Lord's Supper. We should ask, how does this psalm help us understand and how does it reveal to us the love and truth of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, children, the first Bible verse you ever learned was probably John 3.16. And what we know from John 3.16 is what? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, discloses for the whole world to see the Lord's love for the whole world. We see in the gospel a perfect exhibition and demonstration of the Lord's prevailing love for sinners. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.9 says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. So brothers and sisters, I want you to understand, you you probably know all this. You're probably thinking to yourself right now, I get it. I understand all this. I know it. But this is the thing. You would never, ever come close to even grasping the love 
that is in God if he had not disclosed his love through the gospel. And because he has disclosed his love, because he's published his love through the gospel of his son, you can now understand his heart towards you. So right now, if you're here this morning and you have things in your life that are causing you to doubt and question whether or not God loves you, the psalmist and the rest of the Bible are marshalling out evidence that you can preach to your own heart that you know that he loves you. He, you know that he loves you because he has displayed his love for all time for you in giving you his one and only son so that the love of Christ might be able to be comprehended, begun to be comprehended, the length and the breadth and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The reason that many of us here are bored with the love of God is that we have not grasped what we deserve. If you woke up this morning and it's not crossed your mind yet that you deserve to be in hell, you will not grasp the greatness and the depth of His love for you. That's what we deserve. And He's not given us what we deserve. One of my favorite dead guys that I read, I read dead guys all the time, and one of my favorite dead guys, John Newton, he wrote in his journal, he wrote these words, If I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. First, to meet some I had not thought to see there. Second, to miss some I had expected to, to see there. And third, the greatest wonder of all, to find myself there. Brothers and sisters, this is the greatest news in the whole world. That God, in spite of who we are, has loved us before the, the dawn of time. He's loved us with an extravagant and everlasting love. And we know He's loved us because He's given us His only Son. So as you meditate on this psalm, remind yourself of who God is in the gospel of, your, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we saw earlier from Romans 8, we know that this psalm points us to God's promises, His truth. Let me just, let me just give you really quick. I know it's hot, and I know you're, you're probably burning up. I just want to make one really quick comment to help you see that there's more going on in the Psalms than you may realize. Psalm 117 talks about God's love and God's truth. And you're thinking, yeah, but how does that get to Jesus? If you read the very next Psalm, it starts with praise the Lord for his steadfast love, and it ends with praise the Lord for his steadfast love. And what's in the middle of that Psalm? What's in the middle of Psalm 118? It's a Psalm about Messiah. It's a Psalm about the the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's a psalm that teaches you that the steadfast love of the Lord of Psalm 117 is revealed in the fact that he's going to send the cornerstone who's going to be rejected, but then God's going to exalt to his right hand. It's going to talk about the love of God displayed in sending his son. And then you think to yourself, okay, well, what about truth? 
Where can I learn about the truth that endures forever? Well, just read the next Psalm, Psalm 119, which is all about the truth of God's Word. I just, I, I tell you, the more you read the Psalms, it's almost like God wrote it. Number four, and then we'll be done. How does Psalm 117 prepare us to take the Lord's Supper? This is the last question that I'll answer, and then we'll go to the supper together, and then we'll sing, and then we'll be done. Two things. Remember, love truth, love truth. That's why we should praise the Lord. Two things. Right before Jesus enjoyed the Last Supper with His disciples, or the the same night that He enjoyed the Last Supper with His disciples, I want to draw your attention to two things that happened. First, do you remember what Jesus prayed in John 17, the night He was betrayed? It's called the High Priestly Prayer. He prayed two things. He prayed for His disciples, but then He prayed for all of those who would believe through His disciples. He prayed two things. He said, Father, sanctify them in the what? The truth. Your word is truth. And the last thing Jesus mentions in that prayer, he says this, Holy Father, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. The night that he went, that he was betrayed and went eventually to the cross, He was praying that you would be sanctified in the truth and that the love that God the Father has for him would be known and to be in you. And even as he was about to go to the cross, we're told one other thing that connects us to Psalm 117. Right before, right after the Lord's Supper, right after Jesus broke the bread, said, this is my body given for you, right after he he, he shares the cup, that represents the blood of the new covenant. Remember the last thing we're told in the Gospels before they go to Gethsemane together? We're told this twice. Matthew 26, 30. And when they had sung a what? A hymn. They went to the Mount of Olives. What hymn did they sing? Well, what were they celebrating? They were celebrating Passover. And what did faithful Jews sing on Passover? They sang the Hallel Psalms. They sang Psalm 117. So maybe the last hymn our Lord sang that dark night before He went to dark Gethsemane, before He drank the bitter cup of wrath that we deserved, before He endured the bloody cross where He won our salvation, Perhaps the last hymn our Lord sang was this song. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your love. We pray that we would be transformed by it 
that we pray that we would display your love in our families, in this church, in this world, so that all nations may adore you. We ask this in Jesus, our great Savior's sake. Amen.